Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Good Tuesday afternoon. Here we are. It's about 2.20, so we're a little behind. I got stuck in traffic getting out of the day job, but I'm here. I'm ready to talk some professional wrestling with my good buddy, SP3, and we got a lot to dive into today. We got some more drama surrounding CM Punk, Hangman Adam Page, a few other names backstage in AEW. Is it a big deal? Was it overblown? Yes, probably both. Uh, we will dive into that for sure. Jay Uso has quit WWE after Jimmy explained his actions at SummerSlam. Did SP3 buy into what Jimmy had to say? Spoiler alert, no, sir. Bray Wyatt, we got an update on him and when he might be back uh, in WWE and why he's been gone as long as he has been gone. Why is everybody whispering except for me, SP3? We got dudes saying stuff into other dudes' ears on multiple shows back to back. It's like, y'all know you're booking the same thing, right? But everybody's got these ominous whispers now going on in WWE. Rey Mysterio won the United States Championship for some reason on Friday. Chelsea Green has got a new tag team partner and a lot of people are criticizing the all-in card. Uh, justified or not, we'll dive into that when the five count rolls around. SB3, how you doing today? I am doing well, folks. It's a Tuesday. Glad to be here. Glad to be talking about wrestling for the next 40 minutes or so. Yeah. But yes, going to talk all about uh, a crazy week in professional wrestling between last week and this week. So a lot to discuss. Let's get to it. Yeah, I wanted to mix in some more AEW conversation for sure because last week's episode was so WWE heavy with you know SummerSlam being right there. And uh, what is going on, Ace? Uh, appreciate you tuning in as always. Get your comments in. Get your questions in. Join the conversation. We'll get to as many of them uh, throughout the entirety of the show as possible. Make sure to give this video a thumbs up. That really helps drive, in our, drive up our audience. And if you're new to the program and you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, you like what you see, hit that subscribe button too. I would really, really uh, appreciate that, as would SP3. What is going on Safet? we appreciate you joining the show as always today as it always is is brought to you by our good friends over at bet online they are the place to go for all of your sports betting information what did the news what did the recent signings do what have those done uh for the odds heading into the nfl season we got dalvin cook he is now a uh, a member of the new york jets everybody calling them the super team now in the afc can aaron Rodgers lead them there do you believe in the new york jets BetOnline.ag is the perfect place uh, to go and place your money on those Jets if you'd like. Or maybe you think Ezekiel Elliott is going to make the Patriots the favorite. I don't know. That's your prerogative. I guarantee you they got worse odds to win the Super Bowl than the New York Jets. BetOnline has all of that information you need as well as your favorite card and casino games. Just make sure when you sign up to join, whether you use the mobile app or you go on the website, again, BetOnline.ag. Use our promo code when you sign up. That is Believe, B-L-E-A-V, to get your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. What is going on, Chris and Queen? Thank you guys so much for diving into the chat here. And SP3, let us start with Mr. CM Punk, uh, as he always tends to do. If there's one thing that you can count on CM Punk to do, it's going to make headlines, right? That That's what this man does. He generates the conversation, good or bad. 
whether it's inside the ring or outside the ring, people can't help but talk about CM Punk, whether they love him or hate him. And this Saturday's episode of Collision, which I thought was carried by the main event, like that show, it was a good show, but it really needed that main event to pop off and set it off. And I thought CM Punk and FTR delivered another fantastic match uh, in the main event. They're setting up Samoa Joe and CM Punk at All In at Wembley Stadium. I can't get mad at that either. Uh, sign me up for as many times as those two dudes want to throw down as long as their careers, uh, as much time as they have left. But it was after the show when all of the things started happening again here, SP3, CM Punk gets on the mic, cuts a, a, a promo on Hangman Adam Page, is dogging his merchandise sales and his action figure sales, and that sent people on Twitter, believe it or not, going nuts, going crazy. And then we start getting more reports about CM Punk, about how he may or may not be basically like dictating who's allowed to show up on collision and who's not there's been a lot of ebbs and flows and a lot of details with this sp3 i know you're covering it uh, way more extensively than probably anybody else so what what do we know has actually happened transpiring with cm punk here and and what who's allowed to go on collision and who's not well it seems like cm punk has a little bit more power than he has been letting on uh this all dates back basically to the original return promo on the premiere episode of collision where he said the uh counterfeit bucks line or or it would probably date back even further than that to the espn interview that caused all the drama but following the uh premiere episode of collision with that promo where he talked about you know uh you guys you fans whining about stuff is softer than the wrestlers you love uh nick uh ryan nemeth nick nemeth aka dolph ziggler's brother uh basically put out a tweet saying literally the softest man alive and of course uh ryan nemeth is a member of kind of the bte crew he has mm -hmm. a ongoing segment on being the elite every week on their youtube channel so his connection you know doesn't doesn't him putting out that tweet didn't you know shed the best of light but apparently sure. cm punk showed up in chicago on that dynamite and besides just showing up and making his first appearance on dynamite since uh last september he apparently approached and confronted Ryan Nemeth backstage and basically asked him if they had a problem and if they needed to take it outside and fight each other. Uh, there was a mixture of reports, but there was basically uh, the the main stance and the, uh, what both sides basically say is that Punk confronted Ryan Nemeth to basically ask him if they had a problem. So that was one thing and then you had the whole uh AEW collision this week which was supposed to have seen was supposed to have hangman adam page filming a backstage uh pre-tape apparently mm -hmm. he was told before he got to the building for him to do the pre-tape not at the building and he was turned away basically and then this is when basically an outpouring of other people that have been told not to be at collision tape is not to be backstage including head of talent relations christopher for Daniels, who's apparently because of what Dave Meltzer is reporting on Wrestling Observer, is Punk feeling like since Ace Steel can't be at collision tapings, then neither should uh, Christopher Daniels because he was involved in separating the participants in the brawl out that happened after All Out uh, last year. 
that is just a a, a a rumor, I guess, or speculation from Dave Meltzer. I'm not saying that's an official report. Sure. That's what's been told to him uh, for now. We'll save that for now, just in case CM Punk wants to go up and punch Dave Meltzer at the next. <laughs> you know, I don't want him. I don't want to be the reason for that. For I was going to say, look, face. man, I'm going back to All Out in a couple of weeks, and I don't know if CM Punk is going to be involved in that press conference again. That that. Mm. Last time me and Punk were in the same room at the same time, not saying I had anything to do with it, but it did not go well. And I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in breaking up the karma and breaking up the bad juju. I don't want this to become an annual thing now. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how things go down as we approach the one-year anniversary. But, man, this this these are loaded reports that are coming in. Now, it's important to note that since um, – the, the promo on Hangman Adam Page, right? We have found out additional information, including the fact that CM Punk did apologize to Hangman Adam Page. That is a, uh, a fact now that is out in the universe that has been confirmed by both Punk's team and the Elite's team and Hangman Adam Page's team. He sent him a text. Apparently, that was a promo that was supposed to be done in jest, and Punk realized he made a mistake as he was doing it, that it was not coming off the way that he anticipated. We've all been there, right? We make mistakes before. My question is, wh why even poke the damn bear at that point? Like, what is even if you are doing something, unless it's to generate headlines and to get, you know, people like myself and you talking SP3, what's the point in poking fun at Hangman Adam Page? Uh, I mean, CM Punk still wants to talk to the elite, wants to sit down with the elite and hopefully bury the hatchet and maybe work together one day. Cutting a promo on Hangman Adam Page, whether it's in jest or not, after a show when you know that thing is going to hit social media, that ain't the way to go about doing it. I, I don't know. I don't see the upside in doing something like that where we know what the downside is, which is what has transpired over the last few days. Yeah, it's kind of blowing up. And I, I kind of put out a tweet yesterday that kind of got a lot of attention where I said, should we start having the debate? that CM Punk is maybe just a little too thin-skinned to be the top guy of a promotion. And I hate to say that because I can say 100% I'm a CM Punk fan. I've enjoyed most of his work, and I was there live at his WWE debut. He was the one that kind of opened my eyes to independent wrestling, so my connection to CM Punk is long. And it's, it is, it's been there for a long, long time, and it's very, very strong, but... This is just multiple occasions, and why are we still going through issues months later? Yeah, and the other thing that's that's weird to me, right? CM Punk is not, as far as we know, right? He's not an EVP. He has no uh, managerial uh, position within the company. He literally calls no shots. He's not in creative. He's not talent relations. He is just simply a performer on the show. Granted, a high-profile performer, one who brings in money, one who generates interest, enough so that Tony Khan brought him back after everything that happened last year and basically gave him his own show, and apparently he has literally given him his own show. As Chris says in the chat, who's running AEW, CM Punk or Tony Khan? That is a legit question. Now, I don't know if this was a report that was debunked or not, so uh, apologies if it was. But somebody out there said when CM Punk made his return on Collision, Tony Khan is standing up there at Gorilla doing the CM Punk chant and everything backstage. Bro, I understand. Three years ago, this man was a fan. I get it, right? And he is a huge wrestling fan. And that is fine. 
That is totally fine. But at the end of the day, man, you're running a company. You're not only I, you can be this man's friend. You can be the, a, a fan of this man. But at the end of the day, you got to be his boss, too. And at some yeah. point, Tony Khan has got to rein in CM Punk and not make him think that he has full reign over everything within his company or at least everything that happens on Saturday night. CM Punk should not have final say over who's allowed on collision, especially if it's somebody who's in talent relations like Christopher Daniels. That's the thing that is mind boggling to me. Yeah, that that's the one that kind of was like eye opening or kind of eyebrow raising It's because like Christopher Daniels, like regardless of his connection or involvement at all out. He's the head of talent relations. That should have been the kind of the the put down your foot time, Tony, to be like, no, like, yeah. okay, Matt Hardy, that's fine. Hangman Adam Page, that's fine. But you cannot say Christopher Daniels, the head of talent relations, who works most of like Ring of Honor dates as well. He's been a, kind of one of the main main guys on Ring of Honor each and every week, putting over the younger talent. Now he's not going to be able to be on that because Ring of Honor is taped during collision taping. It's like it creates a domino effect that I don't think CM Punk is really kind of registering where he's trying to say, oh, I'm trying to keep uh, the collision locker room clean or keep it pure, or keep it yeah. one vibe or whatever. But you are causing more trauma, more, more trouble, more drama again. Uh, Frantic World in the chat saying, if Tony Khan and everybody else is doing the right things in AEW, but Punk is still causing problems, he needs to get a reality check uh, ASAP. And and look, I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, CM Punk is is necessarily causing, you know, problems, but like he he does, he's generating the wrong headlines, right? Like some of this stuff may be completely overblown. It's already been stated as well, by the way. It's something we don't we haven't brought up yet. Hangman Adam Page was not sent away from collision by CM Punk. That had nothing to do with it. It was simply they were shooting the promo at another location, which is something that happens altogether, right? Uh, but you know, Ryan Nemeth, uh, he was basically said, Hey, we're gonna have you on collision. And then what? His flight was like canceled or something. It's like, not nah, never mind, go back home. Or like after he landed or something, like, no, nah, go back home. Um, so, I mean, he does have a say over which talent is coming there, which I, I don't know, man. This show already feels, it doesn't feel like an AEW show. And that can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing in the sense of where are we going with this whole real world champion thing? Because CM Punk is walking around with this championship that he has now painted an X through. And he is calling himself the real world champion. And he's feuding with Ricky Starks. He is feuding with Samoa Joe. And every other time he gets on the microphone, he's taking a shot at MJF. And MJF hasn't responded. He hasn't acknowledged it. These two were on the same show together. And they weren't even on screen at the same time. And we got Sean Ross at Fightful.com reporting that there's no plans currently to have MJF and CM Punk cross paths. I'm like then what's the point? What are we doing? If CM Punk and MJF is not the end game of this situation, why are we doing this? This feels like Tony Khan's third brand, not a part of it. It feels like AEW is a two-headed dragon at this point. And I'm not saying that Collision is, is a bad show because it's not. Watch the Collision fight show, uh, post show on Fightful.com every Saturday you know, with myself. But like, this, this this whole thing just feels disjointed and it feels weird and it feels like Tony Khan is trying to cater 
and give everything he wants to CM Punk to keep him in his company. Well, I wouldn't say it feels weird. Like before all this backstage stuff came out, it felt like a breath of fresh air. Sure. Where sometimes sometimes, yes, right. sometimes AEW on Dynamite, it felt like two different shows from week to week. Sometimes they would focus on more of like an old school telling stories, going more focused on promos and development of different feuds and stuff like that. And then other weeks it would be all about the high quality wrestling with a mixture of kind of story development and stuff like that. Now you kind of get that that latter part on Dynamite and you get the former part on Collision. So it was a nice balance of everything. It's when you make it weird or when you make, bring any type of negativity or toxicity into that is with this whole backstage stuff. And the fact that CM Punk is admitting he's wrong, it's kind of baffling why he still has his fans that will defend him like he didn't admit that he's wrong here by reportedly apologizing to Hangman Adam Page sure. with this promo and stuff. And all of this stems from CM Punk. Like, like we could say, oh, Ryan Nemeth started it with the, with the tweet. The tweet was responding to Punk, who said in an interview, who's addressing the, the elite when he's not supposed to. We're not, they're not even supposed to be talking about each other. What are we even doing here? There, there are so many times where CM Punk, and again, I want to preface this. I like CM Punk. I'm a CM Punk fan. I think professional wrestling is better when CM Punk is involved. There are sometimes as an adult, you just need to take a take take the shit with a grain of salt and move on. If he just if this whole entire last year could have been avoided if he just would have went. All right. I asked I asked Hangman not to do it. Talk about it with him in private. Explain why you were upset about it and just shake his hand and move on. That's it. Like, oh, that's all you had to do because that was a reference that Hangman Adam Page made in a promo that went over so many people's heads. And it was Punk that ended, let it sit with him and piss him off and let it fester. And then it, it ballooned. I'm not saying everything was his fault with what went happened or what has transpired in the last year, but he really could have, you know, squashed that entire situation by just, Letting it go. The Ryan Nemeth tweet, let it go, man. People had already forgot. I forgot about it. I'm sure you forgot about it. Like, nobody yeah. paid attention to that. Nobody cared. Nobody cared but him. And now, once again, he's bringing it back to light. He's the one who's making it an issue because he felt wronged in that situation. Sometimes, man, I wish this dude would just not have to get even or not have to squash everything. But love him or hate him for it this is a guy who is going to defend himself yeah. in every situation and he's going to do so vigorously and at some and there's a part of me that respects him for it and appreciates himself for it and is like yeah he's not going to be pushed around but there are pick your battles man like that's what yeah. that term exists for pick your freaking battles don't fight every time it's exhausting for us i don't know how you survive i I don't know. I don't know how he can survive in this business. And that's why I kind of put out that tweet, just putting it out there. Just have the conversation. Maybe he's a little too thin-skinned to be the top guy of the promotion. And a lot of top guys are thin-skinned, but I don't think that we have seen anything quite like CM Punk in this business ever. Uh, Joey legendary. Thanks for joining the show says, uh, CM punk needs to pull up his big boy pants 
and grow the F up. He is really killing my excitement for Wembley and the AEW product as a whole. And I look, there are people who feel that way. There are people who already have CM Punk fatigue because he has mm-hmm. been in the news constantly, even though he's only been back on television uh, for a few weeks. So, I mean, I, I, 100% get it. Uh, Safet saying, I was confused when I read that Christopher Daniels is banned from Collision. I said that Christopher Daniels is the head of talent relations and he controls the contracts. I don't know what that man's job you know, is specifically, but the fact that that man is in management and an employee can dictate whether or not he shows up to a show, that's a problem. That's a yeah. problem. And again, it comes down to Tony Khan and we've had multiple people say the same thing in the chat, right? At some point, Tony Khan has got to step up and be the boss in this situation. And I have said that we've been saying this now. since all out. We've been he saying was, this. He should have put his hand over CM Punk's mouth at that press conference when he started crapping on his EVPs. Yeah. Just say, I'm sorry, Punk, let's re- respect me, respect the show, respect this press conference. And do not badmouth my management. And that could have squashed the entire situation right then and there. There's yep. so many things that like have happened over the course of the last year where I'm just sitting there and I'm going, what is, like, how did it get to this point? It got to this point because the inmates are running the asylum a little too much. There's a lot yep. of blame in that situation right there. All we of do- this could have been avoided. That's oh, what easily. it all comes down to. Easily. It could have been avoided had Punk done one thing. It could have been avoided uh, if Tony Khan had done one thing or two things. Hell, it could have been avoided if Hangman Adam Page just didn't feel the need to take the damn shot in the promo in the first place. There's a lot of people who are at fault with this situation. There's no way it should have festered to this point, but it has. And we all got to hope that these people just find a way forward and just here we go. We got the calendar back up on the wall. Days without incident. We're back down to freaking zero. Let's start over again and see where we can go. Uh, we appreciate uh, everybody who is in the chat and participating. Thank you guys so much for your comments. Uh, we are going to move on to some some WWE talk. We'll get back to AEW once we get to the five count coming up here in just a few minutes. But uh, SP3 uh, coming out of SummerSlam. There, uh, much of the spotlight was on the main event of SummerSlam and the actions of one Jimmy Uso and why he turned his back on his brother. You came on this show last week and screamed from the mountaintops passionately, as you do, which I love you so much for, that it makes no damn sense for Jimmy Uso to turn on Jay Uso because of jealousy, SP3, because of jealousy. Well, it turns out that was not the cause. It wasn't out of jealousy, SP3. It was out of love. We got the Lord of the Rings explanation. Jimmy Uso saw what that World Heavyweight Championship, what that lay around the neck of Roman Reigns has done to his cousin, has turned him into this ghoulish, golem-like creature, and said, nah, I can't let that happen. I can't let my twin brother turn into this egotistical, maniacal, power-hungry tribal chief that Roman Reigns has turned himself into today. So that is why he decided to take his brother out and keep him from winning the WWE Universal Championship at SummerSlam. It was not jealousy. It was out of love. And then Jey Uso super kicked the heads off of everybody in the bloodline and quit WWE on Friday, SP3. Did you buy it? 
Did you believe it for a half second? What are your thoughts on the direction that this this latest twist in the Bloodline saga has taken us here on Friday Night SmackDown? <laughs> no. That was an awful reason. Jesus Christ. I, I, I love you. I love you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to poison you. Look what it made if it made you into an egotistical asshole like Roman Reigns. Oh, my God. That felt like a theater, a high school theater performance. <laughs> that, that was real. That was not the best stuff from the bloodline. And it just fails. I don't want to say I said it before. I was like, I don't want to say the bloodline is jumping the shark. But they keep they keep inching closer to this line. They need to recover from this move that you can tell was made haphazardly, and they didn't think it through before they actually w pulled the trigger on Jimmy turning on Jay. Uh, we did a show on Friday together over on uh, Redacted, right, with Dutch Mantel. And one of the things that you said on that show that I 100% agree with is you said it felt like Jimmy Uso did not believe the words that were coming out of his mouth. Jay Uso did not believe the words. It's like they weren't all in on the script. It's what it felt like. And once again, me doing what, what I do and what I, I, I try to read between the lines. I try to analyze what WWE might be going for here. There is something that Jimmy Uso said during that promo that has just, has just stuck with me, right? He talked about basically self-preservation. In the fact of what happens, it was very briefly, if you missed it, what happens to Jimmy Uso if Jay Uso moves on and becomes the WWE Universal Champion? To me, that's the reason. That's the yeah. reason you go with for what you did. Now, is that actually the reason? Was this just Jimmy Uso going out there and spouting lies because he thinks that's what his brother will accept easier and quicker and come back and let the Usos be the tag team, you know, that they were, is that what WWE was going for here? And it just didn't come off that way. And it kind of missed the mark. Are we going to find out later that it really was uh, selfishness and self-preservation? And if you become the tribal chief, if you become the WWE universal champion, I become the other brother, right? What happens to me? Because if Jay Uso gets the main spotlight, we ain't going out to the tag team titles. I'm not getting the United States championship shot. I'm not going to be the right-hand man or anything. I'm going to be left behind. That is the reasoning that they should have gone with and should have been in the forefront. Is it possible that that's the actual reason and Jimmy was just trying to sling some bull to pull one over? Do you think maybe that's what they were going for or am I giving WWE too much credit? I, I think that is a possibility, and that's what I've heard as kind of the counter-argument to Jimmy's reasoning that didn't, 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 no one was buying. Even the people that are, are pro the bloodline and trying to defend the move of turning Jimmy Uso heel, uh, they are, they, they can't even, they can't even, you know, really figure out if this is the reason or not and they're yeah. going with the with the thought that this is just the reason that he thought up with and sure. that there's a real reason behind it so i think that that's the best thing that they can do is just go off with jimmy trying to you know hide himself until he can really kind of show his true intentions and that maybe is the story that's going to keep us invested as this story goes along after this move 
Uh, Queen uh, Monet 05 says, uh, does Jimmy not have enough faith within himself and his brother to keep Jay from becoming like Roman if he does become the tribal chief? That That's obviously uh, a question. But look, even if this is the actual reason, right, there's there's a part of this that I can, you know, I, I can buy into it. Right. Like I just the, people fear change. You know, you've been it's been status quo for the Usos, them together against the rest of the world for as long as they've been in WWE. They've been riding high for three years together as part of the bloodline. And it, you know, took them a while to finally realize that they had to make a change and pull away from Roman Reigns. Look, doing it out of fear of maybe losing your brother, I could almost buy into that a little bit. But man, I don't they just they didn't sell it. Like they didn't sell it in the performance because I don't feel like they thought it. And again, this is all speculation. This is all from an outsider's perspective. We're not reporting anything. We're just doing what we do and analyzing what is put on, put out on the screen. Maybe it was just a bad night for the Usos from a performance standpoint. I don't know. That could be mixed in there as well, but it's going to be interesting to see how this develops and how this moves forward to get those fans who have started thinking, maybe this story has jumped the shark a little bit and get them back in. Because the casual fans are still nom, 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 nom. They're eating this up. The crowds are going nuts. They're dancing with Jimmy, the Jey Uso in the crowd as he says, I'm out, deuces. That's the other interesting part about this. Jimmy Uso has quit. I don't for a second believe that he's actually quit the company or his contract is up. That he's No showing, one does. No, or he's showing, oh, bull crap. We got, I've seen people on Twitter going, he's going to show up in Wembley. Or he's going to show up in Impact and, and be with Naomi. That's the wrong Uso, you idiots. Uh, <laughs> like, I see these people on Twitter. I'm like, oh, my God, Twitter's a cesspool. Um, or they're just being overly sarcastic, which is hard to tell in text, right? So there's that part of it. But yeah. I digress. There are these people who are convinced, well, oh, my goodness, they moved Jay Uso to the, to the alumni section on WWE.com. Good. You should. I'm pretty sure they still have Sasha Banks listed as a SmackDown superstar. Like, they need to update that shit more often, okay? Like, my God, good, do it. Create that doubt. Create that doubt. But what it creates, doubt SP3, we may not have, according to reports, we're not going to have any member of the Bloodline on SmackDown this Friday. When's the last time that happened? We could have a pay-per-view in two weeks without a member of the bloodline on it. Can you tell me the last time that happened? Last time we had a pay-per-view with no bloodline member on it. Cause backlash had the, the six man uh, survivor series had war games. He was on crown jewel uh, extreme rules last year. Uh, was that the Finn Balor match? No, that was, oh, 2020. that was 2021. Yeah. Okay. That was this is the one with the Bray Wyatt return. Yeah. Oh, uh, y- yes. Yes, you're right. And that was part of that character. So, yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a hot minute as far as like not having the bloodline one carry a SmackDown, let alone a premium live event. So, that's going to be interesting to see how long until Jay Uso shows back up when they carry the bloodline program forward. The good news for me out of. You know, this past week, this past Friday, was Roman Reigns in that segment taking the bumps that he did because that, to me, tells me whatever injury he suffered at 
SummerSlam is not that big of a deal if he's taking bumps a week later. Like that to me at least says it was minor enough to where he's comfortable with some kind of physical altercation, even if he's not going to wrestle for, let's be honest, probably a couple months, I would think at this point. So that's, that's some good news. Yes. I don't, I don't see him probably defending the, the title until maybe at the earliest, it would be survivor series, but I only see at best one more title defense this year. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Saudi show, maybe, uh, yeah, we could do that. Saudi yeah. show. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's WWE obviously has a plan with where they're going. It's just, it's hard to see where they're going right now with everything that's being involved, how long this is going to run again. We had reports last week that at least one member of created one of the first Jimmy and Jay Uso match to be at WrestleMania. Yep. Well, unless Jay Uso is going to be gone for five months because he quit WWE, I still don't see uh, how they are going to get there. We did real quick, did get an update in case you missed it on Bray Wyatt this week uh, from uh, Fightful.com. Bray Wyatt, uh, the illness that has kept him out of action since before WrestleMania. Uh, not only was it career-threatening, but apparently life-threatening at one point uh, for Bray Wyatt, which is obviously some scary, scary stuff. Thankfully, the update is he is said to be doing much better now, uh, and they have at least had creative discussions about what they could do with him coming back, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be back imminently, but it's uh, a scary update, but a good update from Fightful. So that is the latest on Bray Wyatt. If, uh, if you were interested in what has been going on with him, but we got to dive into this real quick. It's time to answer the five count on the believe podcast network. SP three, everybody be whispering. Everybody be whispering nowadays. This past weekend on, on Friday Night SmackDown, we saw a confrontation with Edge and Sheamus. Not so much a convert, convert, confrontation, easy for me to say, but a, a friendly, hey, you got me in the business. I got you back in the business. We've never wrestled. Yeah. It's your 25th anniversary. Let's wrestle. And then Sheamus shakes his hand and pulls him in and whispers something to his ear and smiles maniacally. Yeah. Last night on Monday Night Raw, we get a really nice, entertaining segment between Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura. Definitely some of the best dialogue on the show by a mile. And Shinsuke Nakamura, same thing. Shakes Rollins' hand after he says, you want a title shot? All you had to do is ask. Shinsuke Nakamura pulls him in, whispers something in his ear, SP3, and smiles maniacally. What the hell did these two dudes say to each other on both of them? What does Sheamus say? What does Shinsuke say? And why is everybody whispering, damn it? Nakamura says, um, I know who you are, Tyler Black. And that's what confused uh, Seth Rollins enough for giving him to Kinshasa. And uh, Seamus, Seamus was just talking shit. Seamus just <laughs> basically what he said on the mic of uh, you, you, you know, you, you, I think you made a mistake. He, I think yeah. he was talking more shit, just a little bit friendly. I, I love the conversation that uh, Seamus and Edge had. It felt like a natural and a real conversation between yeah. two friends, like friendly rivals. So that was good. Yeah, it was totally unscripted. I feel like it was unscripted. Maybe they had some bullet points of you talk about this, you talk about this, and th- and that was it. And it was nice to set up a match for Edge uh, this Friday in Toronto. Is it one of his last matches? I don't know. I would not be mad if this was a setup for a story, for an actual rivalry, because it feels like Edge has just kind of been on his, I'll show up and do when I want to do something. But they haven't really done anything with him since WrestleMania, which continues for me to say, uh, 
Finn Balor should have won that match. And Finn Balor should have won a lot of marquee matches that he's had lately. And uh, the losses are starting to pile up and it's starting to irritate me just a little bit. And I try not to get mad by certain bookings because I'm trying to understand where people are going. Finn Balor should have won a couple of these matches uh, over the last few months, for sure. As far as Shinsuke Nakamura, I'm pretty sure he just said, hey, remember all those times I hit AJ in the balls? I think that's exactly what he did. He's like, you know what's coming down the pike. Bam, baby! We're going, yeah. we're going there, because heel Shinsuke there. Nakamura is Prince all Dixon. about the five-on-two situations, baby. Friday night! Five-on-two! <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Friday night on SmackDown! We crowned a new United States champion, SP3, but it was not Shinsuke Nakamura like we expected. Santos Escobar was taken out of the match by Austin Theory, and then Rey Mysterio was put in the match by Santos Escobar, and then Rey Mysterio beats Austin Theory inside of seven minutes, claims the United States championship. SP3, we, we had an entire tournament, an entire tournament to set up a number one contender for Austin Theory, that Santos Escobar was supposed to win, regardless of how his match got changed because of Rey Mysterio's injury, he was supposed to win, but yet Rey Mysterio ends up being the one to take the championship off of Austin Theory. Why? Why? Why do everything that you did leading up to that moment, because all of it together does not make sense? No, not at all. Not at all, because you did all the work to build up Santos Escobar yes. as an actual threat to Austin Theory, and then just bait and switched us when they came time for the show after building the match up for a matter of three weeks. It makes absolutely no sense, and it feels to me this is one move where I have to jump on the bandwagon and say this feels like a Vizic Man move more than mm. anything. This does mm. not feel like a decision that Triple H made 100% on his own, it feels like it had some type of Visit Man influence in it, despite the fact that Visit Man is not around currently. And Vince and Triple H said, quote unquote, he doesn't have his hand in creative. Yeah, this was definitely like out of the Vince McMahon playbook. Like this, this felt like a, a swerve for the sake of making a swerve. And like the only thing that I can come up with that makes any logical sense, because remember, not only did they do all this work to build up Santos Escobar. Not only did they bypass putting it on him, they bypassed putting it on LA Knight, who was a part of that tournament and did not win that. So you didn't put it on two of your younger, well, LA Knight's not younger. Santos Escobar is younger. But two of your newer talents that you were trying to build up and push as far as WWE is concerned, they bypassed both of them to put it on Rey Mysterio. The only thing that I can think of is they want to put it on somebody else who's a heel and needed to get it off of Austin Theory in order to do that. So they put it on Ray so they can take it off of yeah. Ray. I think Grayson Waller makes a ton of sense. And the fact that Ray Mysterio is going to be on the Grayson Waller effect this Friday makes me think maybe, just maybe, Grayson talks himself into getting a title shot. Austin Theory costs Ray Mysterio the championship. So now Grayson's the United States champion, and you can continue the Theory LWO feud. Because he needed a new direction without that United States championship. I agree with what Ace said in the, in the chat. Austin Theory dropping the title is not the issue here. It's who and how he dropped the yeah. title. Yeah, Austin Theory needed to drop the title regardless. It didn't matter if it was last Friday, this Friday. He needed to drop the title. That run was not going anywhere. I feel like Santos should have won the championship 
had a little bit of run. He doesn't even have to have a long run because it's all about the moment of winning yeah. the championship. Sure. That's how WWE works. He can have a couple of defenses over two months, and then he can drop the title to Grayson Waller. Sure. It feels very short-sighted to basically cut the legs off of Santos Escobar to either set up a very rushed heel turn of, of Santos and LWO on Rey Mysterio or you're setting up a Ray being a transitional champion to Grayson Waller, which I think is just going into the same freaking formula that we were just in of young heel champion that we we haven't really developed the character for yet. Yeah. Do that first, and then I will believe in Grayson Waller being the right move as U.S. champion. I love how you said cut the legs out from underneath Santos Escobar because that's what they literally yes. did. Uh <laughs> <laughs> on Friday. I'm seeing people mentioning in the chat here that Rey Mysterio could be rumors of Rey Mysterio turning heel. He ain't done that in his entire damn career. Like, except for like the filthy animals. Wasn't the filthy animals the last time Rey Mysterio was a heel that I remember anyway? Yes. Like, that ain't that ain't happening at this point in the game. That man is universally loved, unless he's going up against LA Knight right now, because that's how hot he is. But or you, you know, put him in the Royal Rumble over. Uh, Brian Danielson. That's those are the last two times I can remember Rey Mysterio getting booed. I don't know if it's going to work, but Santos turning on as you know, uh, Caden says here, turning on the LWO to take it from Rey. I could understand that if that's the move five months down the line because Santos Escobar and Rey Mysterio, that's a marquee WrestleMania match next year. You don't need to rush into that. So I, I don't. I'm gonna save my judgment until the next move is made, but I feel like there needs to be a next move. SP3, last night, we finally, finally got the highly talked about, much anticipated match between Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus on Monday Night Raw. Um, There was no real, like, sense in the first two hours that this match was a very big deal. Um, Then this match didn't even end up being the main event of the show. It was a, a random Cody Rhodes match that ended up being the main event of the show last night. Once again, Judgment Day, closing out the program. Get all that. That's fine. Um, so the second that this started off the 10 o'clock hour, I'm sitting here going, oh, this ain't done yet. Like, that's that was the signal to me. I'm like, if this was the big blow off of this feud that started back in April, they would have made this a bigger deal. It would have closed the show. It didn't. Ended in a double count out. We get the brawl out in the, the, the merchandise area and all of that, and everything was fine. So it's like they're after the match anyway, was fine. They're setting up a cage match for later, probably at payback. But SP3, even I can admit that match last night was, after all the hype and everything that has been said about it, and people like myself going to bat for it and saying it should have been at SummerSlam, it was a bit sloppy last night. It was a bit of a miss. Uh, their match at Night of Champions, while I thought it was good, it was not everything that I hoped it would be. These are, without a doubt, two generational talents, two of the best women to ever do it. They are still talented. They can both still go. That does not necessarily mean they're going to be good dance partners, and they just have not found their groove together. But they're going to get one more shot at it, SP3. Can this Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus program find a way to stick the landing, or should they have just said cut bait and moved on and finished the match last night and said that's it? Um, I think that they should have just pulled the trigger and blow it off right here, honestly, because we're at the point where the any longer you drag this out, it's gonna, it's not gonna feel like the right moment to blow it off. It yeah. feels a lot like the Becky Lynch Bailey program, which I, I thought it was weeks that it was really good, 
but because they didn't pull the trigger on that when it needed to be, you know, over. And, you know, they, you know, they did the whole six woman tag and got that, got the big matchup at WrestleMania. I don't think people are resonating and remember the Becky Lynch and Bailey program, or even think Becky Lynch and Bailey program accomplished anything. And sadly, I think that we're going to look back a few months from now and look at the Trish Stratus program the same way. And it's an indictment against this whole entire WWE creative that Becky Lynch, one of the biggest stars in the promotion, has not had a very good feud in a long time. In a long, long time. It's since Bianca Belair. Yeah. And that started off horribly. And that, that started off, y'all stumbled out of the starting block, but made it and got to the finish line. But it seems like with all these other ones, y'all just let her trip at a trip in the in the race and then throw more obstacles so she can't get to the finish line. Look, there I know we're running out of time here and we need to pick it up, but there was a um Becky Lynch did an interview uh, a little bit ago where she talked about how she doesn't push back as much against creative as she used to. She needs to start doing it again because back when she pushed back, look, the only reason why Becky and Bianca got to that big time WrestleMania match, that big time SummerSlam matchup was because Becky pushed for that. They were never going to give Bianca her come her her payback. They weren't going to give her her big moment when Becky beat her in 26 seconds. That was Becky and Bianca pushing and getting that back and and making sure they did a make good and helped make Bianca the star that she is today. Becky needs to start pushing back a little bit here because, yes, the, the Bailey feud that we all, a lot of us were waiting years for, under-delivered creatively, and this once-in-a-lifetime Trish Stratus-Becky Lynch feud that has lasted five months now has under-delivered in a lot of ways, and it, it hasn't all been performance. It has been what they have been given to work with. And, like, the best thing I can say is at least Zoe Stark has gotten a chance to kind of show what she can do, and by proxy of standing next to Trish Stratus, has elevated herself. So it hasn't been a complete and total loss, but I'm really hoping they can stick the landing with whatever, if whether it's a cage match or Hell in a Cell at payback. Um... I was really hoping SP3 we would get, uh, you know, Chelsea's Got Talent on WWE TV. Felt like they they rushed the finale of who her new tag team partner was going to be. I'm glad that they didn't just strip the belts from her like it looked like Adam Pierce was going to do. But we do have a new women's tag team champion alongside Chelsea Green because Piper Niven showed up last night with all of the energy of dude bro who showed up at a bar and put the stack of quarters on the pool table and said, this is my bitch all night long. She walks in, she punches Katana Chance and says, I'm your partner now. And Chelsea tries to push back and she's like, no, you don't understand. Grabs the belt off her shoulder and says, I'm your tag team partner now. And, and and Chelsea realized, oh, you're going to be the top in this relationship. Okay, yeah, yes, let's go. Yes, let's, let's the move forward. Piper Niven taking it, just taking what she wants. I loved this. I love this. I do feel like they rushed it a little bit because I thought there was money with Chelsea's Got Talent, but man, I'm 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 cool with this too. The question is, SP3, can Piper Niven be the one to finally break the curse of these women's tag team championships, or did she just put herself in harm's way? She just put herself in harm's way. It's like it's like <laughs> someone getting on the matting cover and you're just very hopeful that this would be the yes. year that yes. we break the matting curse and then it happens again. So I'm done I'm done hoping. 
It's it's like it's like 2008 all over again. I was done hoping for the Madden curse to be broken in 2008, and it feels like that again. I am over hoping these women tag team title uh, curse ends, and I'm just convinced that something bad is gonna happen. But congratulations to Piper Nevin and Chelsea Green as they are the only WWE Women's Tag Team Champions currently working for WWE and still together and not injured. Yeah. Last but not least, SP3. congratulations. Last but not least, SP3. Uh, we have a major, huge, like monumental pay per view coming up next Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. All in Wembley Stadium, eighty thousand plus seats. Maybe I think what what was eighty four was the last number I saw. They were they were there. Like they broke the the SummerSlam record for largest attend like sold wrestling event. Right? Like they're they have killed it with the ticket sales. But SP3 seeing a lot of hate, shocker, online about what Tony Khan has set up so far for that major crowd, saying it doesn't feel like this card is a major show. Uh, it's going to be headlined by MJF and Adam Cole. Strangely enough, it's going to be kicked off by MJF and Adam Cole as they fight for the Ring of Honor tag team titles on the pre-show. Like, I don't agree with Eric Bischoff very often, but he was kind of critical, saying that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I kind of have to agree with him, but regardless, what are your thoughts on this card, how it's been set up so far? We know we're going to get more matches added to it. Um, is the criticism online of the all-in card justified in your opinion, SP3? In my opinion, no. Uh, I think that this is kind of a picture into either programs that have a lot of history involved to them or programs that they've been building to to be blown off at this show. I think about a lot of the criticism that we've seen to the all-in card or for the matches that haven't been announced. I don't think anybody is complaining about the fact that the London crowd, 80,000 strong officially, as announced by WrestleTix today, will be seeing the third iteration of FTR and the Young Bucks, potentially the greatest tag team match of all time, considering these two put on a five-star classic in front of like 32 people in Jacksonville, then put on a great one of the best dynamite matches of last year in front of fourth. 4,000 in Philadelphia, now in front of 80,000 with the hype, with the buildup. That's going to be a great matchup. MJF and Adam Cole, I 100% disagree with, I guess, you and Eric Bischoff. I think it makes a whole lot of sense to book and your show with your hottest program, with the hottest thing you're doing. And since you're doing the main event as a a friendly babyface versus babyface battle akin to the last huge show in Wembley Stadium with British Bulldog and Brett the Hitman Hart. You want to give the crowd and the people at home who are going to be watching this pre-show for free a taste of MJF and Adam Cole together. Whether that's them winning the ROH World Tag Team Championships or coming up short due to outside interference or coming up short because they can't get along, it's going to create an automatic hook for fans who are watching it for free to maybe get a late-minute pay-per-view buy and buy the pay-per-view to see these two go at it in the main event. It's their hottest program. It's their top TV draw, their top merchandise seller. It makes a whole lot of sense book hunting the show. So I agree with it. Also getting Aussie Open on on the show who are an essential part and were so big on the UK independent scene where they became stars. I think it was great to get them on the show. And it's the best opponents for Aussie Open to get them on the show because you're putting them against the hottest program in this damn company. So I don't understand how anyone is complaining about that. Sting and Darby Allen versus a 
J.R. Fox and Swerve Strickland in a matter of three weeks, they've built a very personal rivalry sure. yes, that makes have. a whole lot of sense about Darby getting a job for 60-year-old Nick Wayne, but not for his friend A.R. Fox that gave him a home. It's a simple hook. You're into it. You'll want to sting, sting go at it with Swerve Strickland. You want to see Darby get some revenge on A.R. Fox. That sells itself. So I don't see any problems with any of the matches, honestly, that have already been announced for All In. For all of the matches that haven't been announced, you got to tune in next week to believe. And maybe we'll, I'll say it's justified to criticize the all-in card. But yeah. as it stands right now, I don't think it's justified. Yeah, do you know where I think the, the criticism is coming from? It's it's coming from wrestling fans who are used to the way WWE books WrestleMania. Yes. WWE books WrestleMania by bringing in celebrities and bringing in the Stone Cold Steve Austins and bringing in the Hulk Hogan's and the Goldbergs and, you know, the Brock Lesnar's of the world and stacking it with half of it, people who aren't going to be there come May. Tony Khan is doing something that I've always asked WWE to do to utilize and showcase their main full-time stars on their biggest show. Yeah. That, that's how you're going to grow your audience. You have 80,000 fans in the UK. Show them your full menu that you have all the time. All the time. Hey, did you like the, the fatal four-way for the women's championship where Soraya might win? Your hometown girl might win her first championship in 10 years? Guess what? She's going to be on Dynamite on Wednesday. So is Britt Baker. So is Hikaru Shida. So is, who else is in that match? Tony Storm. They're going to be on Dynamite. Hey, did you like Swerve Strickland and AR Fox mixing up with Sting? Guess what? They're going to be on Rampage on Friday. Like, this is a sh massive showcase for the talent, full-time talent you have now. No, this isn't just, this is exactly what Tony Khan should be doing. Should he have more matches announced by now? Yeah, I'd like to see some more matches announced by now. But, like, I see people saying, they should have put Sting's retirement match up here, and there's not, there's not enough once-in-a-lifetime matches and this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, Okay, that's fine. But this isn't WrestleMania. Like, that has grown and become... WrestleMania is the week after for them. <laughs> this is... <laughs> like, this... It's funny. It's funny because I, I saw people complaining about Miro and Powerhouse Hobbs being uh, basically teased for All Out. I'm like, they got to announce some sh matches for that show. That's it's the a week later. Show. It's that's a week later. Show. Yeah. I was oh, like, yeah. I, don't think that, I don't think this experiment is the smartest thing for Tony Khan to do, but you got to at least put your best foot forward. Yeah, absolutely. I love what Tony Khan is doing. As far as all in, it's like, I, I could question him all day long about, dude, did you really need to book another major pay-per-view a week after you go to the UK for anything? But okay, whatever. I, I yeah, I, I could question him on that. What he's doing for all in with that audience is exactly what he should be doing with all in. SV3, what you got going on on True Heel Heat this week? Uh, check out the True Hill Hit YouTube channel. Yesterday, we did our NJPW G1 Climax 33 final review. Talking about Tensuyo Naito getting the win. Talk about Will Ospreay introducing the IWGP UK title. All the matches set up for the fall and winter in New Japan Pro Wrestling on the show. We discussed it all, as well as the one-month tournament. Myself, Sanal, Jane News, and Romeo. That is up on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel right now. And check out the flagship podcast. We have special guest big hero chris this past saturday so check out all that true hill heat that is t-r-u no e for those podcast listeners 
Uh, we do appreciate everybody who is tuning in. You can follow us on uh, Twitter or X or whatever it's called these days. Him at TrueHeelSP3. Me at Rick Uccino. Spelled like you see on the screen. Uh, for those who are listening to the podcast, R-I-C-K-U-C-C-H-I-N-O and T-R-U-H-E-E-L-S-P and the number three. Give us a thumbs up here. Make sure to subscribe to the channel as well as we continue our climb up to uh, 1,000 subscribers. We always appreciate the support. Uh, later this week, I'll be uh, dropping some clips uh, of my interview with uh, Zoe Stark from SummerSlam weekend. Felt uh, with the Trish match that, you know, playing some clips would have a little bit more length to it. Uh, but I will also be dropping my conversation with the Alpha Academy because Chad Gable SP3 has his Intercontinental Championship. Uh, match coming up on Monday, which means Gunther is uh, retaining. But that doesn't mean that that match ain't gonna bang. And hey, if Chad Gable happens to win, oh, believe you me, SP3 and I, not not that it's Chad Gable that we're going to be bitching about, but we're going to be bitching that Gunther dropped that title th two weeks before Absolutely. he broke the Honky Tonk Man's record. You can bank on that. Uh, so look forward to those Zoe Stark clips, my conversation with all three members of the Alpha Academy. That's going to be dropping uh, later this week, early next week, uh, here on Believe in Pro Wrestling. So hammer that subscribe button because I got a lot more coming up for you guys. Thank you so much. We'll be back in our normal spot next week, 2 o'clock, hopefully at 2 o'clock, if I can get out of work on time. And that should be our all-in prediction show. So I guess I should probably work on booking a guest. We'll be back then next week. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy professional wrestling. This has been the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.